The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So I'd like to thank you all for tuning in this morning and uh, tuning in to actually listen to Dhamma and practice to Dhamma and uh, do some chanting, keep the precepts, and then also sharing in the merit that we actually make uh, from today with, with Prem, who was very instrumental in the community here who recently passed away. And so, as I mentioned before, I got the call at the 11th hour to give the talk um, uh, because Ajahn Nisara couldn't do it. And so there's the reason I'm giving the talk is because so many things happened in the world that were outside the scope of our control. And so that's what I thought I'd, I'd, I'd talk about this morning, uh, is what are these things that we think we control? And do we have control over anything? And obviously we, we have the, this, this knowledge that there's bigger things in the world that we feel that we know that we don't really have that much influence over. But then when we start to look in a bit closer, we start to think, oh, well, there's things that I influence and I have control over. And there's this being that's me that I have control over. But what I want to talk about this morning is, is that actually all these different layers of analysis is you don't actually really control any of them. You don't have any control over any of it. What it what you're really actually experiencing is just a constant flux and constant flow of cause and effect. And that this, the cause and effect that we're experiencing is just a cause that becomes an effect. And the effect then becomes the cause, which then becomes the effect again. So there's this constant cycle where the, where the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. So, and what we do is we attach to this constructed process, we attach to this causally dependent process, and we attach to it as a, as a sense of self and a, and a sense of being. Um, but if we can actually understand this causally dependent flow of, flow of causes and effects, we can start to disidentify with it and to be, become a little bit more free from it. And knowing this, that we have no real control over anything doesn't mean that we throw our hands up and we don't do anything, that we have to, in a way, act like we have control and sort of nudge that. So before I get into that, so what do I actually mean by we don't control anything? So, you know, obviously most of us can think of the bigger the bigger things in our in our life and in existence that we don't control. You know, you don't control the you know the, the orbits of the planet. You don't control how the the our Earth tilts on its axis and moves and spins around. You don't control, you know, don't control the weather. You don't control the tides. But then, even from a more human perspective, you don't control, you know, the virus outbreaks. You don't control the global economy. You don't control any of these bigger, bigger kinds of things. Um, so while we feel we know we don't control these things we are impacted by them. So we do feel like we have some sort of relation to them. So we're, we feel like there's, there's, we have some kind of interaction there. But if we get a little bit closer in, we start to think of things that are more localized around us, in our, maybe in our own country, where our own government, um, uh, the, the particular kind of culture that we're in, the government's response to the 
COVID pandemic, um, uh, the government's uh, federal budget, uh, the different aspects of our own society, we realize that these are bigger things um, that we don't actually really have control over. But again, we're impacted by these. So we do feel like we're connected to them in some way and we're influenced by them. Um, and, the, and in some way, the small things we do influence how these things uh, operate. But then we start to move in a little bit closer again and we start to we think about our own our own social circle our own uh, sphere of uh, social influence we think about the things of say for example our friends our family um the the kind of job that we have the particular uh location that we live in the society that we live in the ways that we choose to spend our time the hobbies that we have all these, all these things. We this is this is when we get to the uh, like a, a tipping point where we think, okay, we have control over some of these things, but uh, there's other parts of it I don't. I know I don't control. So, say for example, if you have children, if you have children, you know that you you know that you don't actually really control exactly who they become, but you feel like you have some sort of influence over them and that they can, um, that you control some aspects of their life. Likewise, with your job, your job or something like that, you feel like, okay, I get up, I go to work, I choose to do this. But then there's other aspects of like, well, I can't just quit my job. I'd love to just, I'm bored of my job. I want to quit. I can't just quit. I, I, I have to keep going. So there's aspects there that you can't control. But then there's also things like the way that you choose to uh, choose to uh, use your time with hobbies and things like this, we think, okay, this is something that I'm controlling and that I'm that I'm impacting and influencing. But really, you don't really control those things either. You can't really control what you're actually interested in. You can't. You don't really. You feel like you choose, but you don't. It's you don't. It's there's many, many different things that led you to want to do the particular kinds of things that you do. So there's, and you can't choose your family. You, um, you think you choose your friends, uh, but you can't choose how your friends actually respond and react. Um, and the things that they do or that your family uh, say and do, you can't choose any of those things. You can't control any of those things. So even in this kind of uh, social level that we have, we're not really controlling any of that, but we are a, we are an impacting factor on that. We do have a, a, a causal impact on that, but we're not controlling the whole sort of chaos that is around us. But then we start to get in a little bit closer, and we start to look at ourselves, and we think, okay, well, do I, do I control this whole thing? And if we look at the body. Now, most people in society, um, they, they do have this kind of innate feeling that they do control the body in some way. They exercise, they do all these kinds of things. They work out in the gym because they want to look a particular kind of way and they eat, eat particular kinds of foods to do that. They, they, and while maybe at an intellectual level, they might realize that they might get sick and uh, age and all these kinds of things, they're sort of they're detached from it. So they're not really seeing that they are out of control of this thing. But as a Buddhist, as most Buddhists, we most of us have this understanding that the body is not really something that is within our control. The body is something that eventually will get sick. 
um, it'll age, it's going through a continually changing process and eventually it will pass away. So we can see that our body is actually not really something that we control. But if you, and so again, as a Buddhist, you might have an intellectual understanding of that, but you, you sort of forget it at some times and you still attach to it. But so we start to look at some deeper things about the body uh, and to really actually show us that we don't actually control any of this. You can think about things like, you know, automatic responses that you might have, uh, automatic reflexes that you might have, startle responses that you might have. You don't control any of the way that the body is acting in that way. Likewise, things like your breathing, your heartbeat, the way that your liver is functioning and operating. You don't control any of these things. It's just an automatic process that's continually, continually happening. And so, again, you can think about this and go, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. I, I'm not controlling any of that, but, you know, I can, I can move my body through space. I can lift my arms and all these kinds of things. So I, yeah, just at the moment, just do that. Just decide to lift your arm in some way, uh, point it in some way whichever way you want to. Now, while you might think that, okay, I chose to do that, do you really actually know how you did that? Do you know how your arm actually moved through space? Did you, did you choose all the different processes of the motor cortex, sending different, uh, firing different, uh, different responses and sending different signals down your central nervous system that moved down all the intricated network of nerves down your arms that controlled all the fine muscle movements in your arms and error corrected in different ways and sent it to a different, sent it to different, to your arm to a different point in space? Or did it just sort of happen? don't know how this process actually, you know, intellectually you know how it works, but you're not really aware of it actually happening. So, you know, you think you're in control of your arm, but if, say, for example, something goes wrong with your motor cortex or you, or, you know, uh, then your arm can just randomly move or not move at all. Or if you have some sort of problem with, uh, yeah, uh, you, you, something happens with your spinal cord um, and you become maybe paraplegic, doesn't matter how much you will your arm to move, it won't move at that time. So again, the body is something, it's, it's something totally beyond your control. You don't actually control this thing. So when we, we, we think about this, we, we think about this and okay, well, the body I don't control, but then we have this feeling of this, okay, but who I am as a person, you know, my thoughts, my beliefs, my memories, my values, all these different kinds of things. This, this has got to be the thing that I control. The, at least I have to, I have to be able to actually control this or it's, or it's just too, too scary. But again, while you maybe feel like you have control of these things, uh, I'm actually going to suggest that you don't really actually control all these different things. Who you are as an individual um, is just a compounded process that's happened over time, and you actually you have no choice in how that actually happened. You didn't pick your genetic makeup. I can't change the the person that I am. My gen my particular kind of genetic makeup and the particular particular 
cognitive capacities that I have and the, the memory, the memory storehouse and the memory capacities I have, the emotion regulation capacities that I have. I didn't choose any of those things. It's all part of my genetic makeup, my intelligence. I didn't choose any of that. I didn't choose my parents that gave me this genetic makeup. I didn't choose or control any of the, the long lineage of genetic sequencing that got to the point that made me me and gave me these particular kinds of capacities. Who I am right now, it's, it's a complex web of, of interaction. I didn't choose the society I was born into. I just experienced different things. I have very unique experiences in my life that have sort of made me this person. I didn't control the culture that I was born into. I didn't control the period of time that I was born into and the beliefs in that time. I didn't control any of that. So all these compounding factors that came together to make me who I feel like I am, I didn't control any of that at all. And the process as well, I didn't actually control any of that. <clears throat> so you don't actually build who you are and or how that you're actually built and the way that you're actually made up. You don't control actually you, any of that. So if you think about that, and it's like, well, that's sort of, that's sort of scary, but, you know, if you can, but I don't really get it. But so if you think of, if you think of maybe at times you thought, maybe you've done something before. It's like, oh, that wasn't me. Uh, why did, why did I do something like that? Or maybe, you know, maybe you have a dislike or a dislike for something. It's like, do you even know why you have those likes or dislikes? You don't even know why you have like a liking for one thing or a disliking for another. You can sort of reason through it. Do you know why you have a particular belief that you have now? You don't know how that came about, but you just sort of have it. Or on a, just on an, on an even like normal level, it's like you wake up in the morning sometimes and you're in a bad mood. You don't know you don't know why you're in a bad mood. You just feel like you're in a bad mood. So these things are arising, not because of your control in some way, but because of a, a very, very complex uh, process of cause and effect. And as I said, the effect then becomes the cause, and the cause then becomes the effect. Again, the effect becomes the cause, the cause becomes the effect, the effect becomes the cause, and just it's, it's this continual process. So where you are at any one point in time in the present, it could be due to things that happened in this causal link uh, very closely, just something that prior, uh, previously happened in a few moments ago, or it could be something due to a very long way down the, the causal process of you know, your whole genetic makeup and the society you've built into. So who you are at any one given moment is you don't actually really control that. It's just a bunch of cause and effect. Now we also, this is, can be a little bit scary for us, but I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get even more scarier and, and, <laughs> and more scarier and more worrying at the moment, but then I'll, I'll, I'll try, I'll bring it back in. So don't, don't freak out too much at the moment. So, so we, also think as well that our thoughts and the decisions that we make, we think that this is something that's, that, you know, at, at, the, very, at the very minimum, I, I have to decide these things, that the, 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 
the, the choices that I make in life, the decisions that I make, the thoughts that I actually have, these have, these have got to be mine. And, but again, these things, they're not in your control. Um, a way to actually show this to you is to, to again, to get you to do some uh, little task. I'd like to now just to get you to make a decision make a decision it's the most you know this is this is the thing you can actually decide and you can use your thinking powers and your reasoning and all these kinds of things to actually make this decision so i'd like to get you to think of think of think of a famous person from history a uh, f- famous person from anywhere it could be a movie star it could be a musician a politician uh sportsman whatever it doesn't actually matter from any point in history so you've got this one person, great, cool, change it, think of somebody else. Think of a different person, another, another famous person from history. Anywhere, anytime, place. Okay. Change your mind, great. Again, change it again. Think of somebody else. So for all intents and purposes, this is, you've, you've, you've gone through the process of you've made this decision, you've made this choice now. And, but... If you are aware of the process, you'd actually start to see is like, did you actually choose that person that you thought? Or really, was it just an image that popped into your mind of somebody? Did you actually choose that thing or did it just pop up there? This, is, this choice that you think that you made came about through many different aspects, your, your access to your access to different kinds of media, your, your, you know, the things that you're interested in, what you actually, the, the kinds of people that you like, um, the, you know, you know, what kinds of things you're in, the point in time in history that you're, that you're alive, what caused this thing just to, this flash of an image of a person just to pop up out of nowhere. You have no idea how that happened. And you could have chosen from any of the tens of thousands of people throughout history, but you think you chose this one person, but it just flashed into your mind. So our thoughts and the things that we have, uh, decisions, this isn't over. We don't really even choose that. And, and anybody that actually still isn't convinced about this, it's, I, I, I've always find it pretty funny. It's like, try meditation. Anybody that's meditated has, it becomes really, really clear really quickly that you have no control over your thoughts. You think, you sit there and think, okay, I'm going to stay with my meditation object. I'm going to think butto or I'm going to stay with the breath. And all of a sudden, thoughts just pop up, start to pop up and come in. You want to, you want your thoughts to be a particular kind of way, but then they just pop up and act in a different kind of way. And this, this process just is thoughts just come out of nowhere. They, they, seem, they, they seem to arise out of the darkness and overtake you, you and who you are. And you get stuck on this sort of uh, rolling process that becomes thought and you just keep rolling on and on and on and on. And this is, you know, this is like a, I, I always think of this process like a, I don't know if any of you know, like an Escher drawing, which is like an impossible staircase that just never, never seems to actually stop or a, or a, or some sort of like Mobius strip that's continually going on and on and on and rolling on and on. And it, all this is, is just causes and effects and 
effects leading to causes and this continual process that continually rolls on and on and on. So why you have that and you're totally out of control and that's, you know, that's obviously scary. So why, but why do we actually feel, why do we actually feel like we have control? Why do we feel like, you know, I am the owner of this, the experience? And so this is, this is when we get to what the, something very, very important in the Buddhist, in the Buddhist literature and the Buddhist philosophy of why we think we are the controller of this thing. The Buddha talked about who we are as people is uh, we we have the five aggregates or the five khandas or the pancha khanda. Now, these five aggregates are uh, rupa, which is material form. <clears throat> so, for example, like our body. Vedana, which is the feelings, the sensations that are in the body. Sanya, which is like memories and perceptions that you actually have. Sankara, which is your thoughts and your volitions and things. And vijnana, which is your consciousness, which is the consciousness of the, uh, uh, the impingement of the six sense bases, the uh, sights, sounds, tastes, touches, uh, and, and thoughts that come into your mind. The Buddha said that what we are as a person is due to these five aggregates, and what we do, these five aggregates, they're uh, dependently arisen on each other, and they're causally, they're causally, they're causally interactive, and, but they're separate and they arise and pass away by themselves. But what we do is we attach to them as a whole. We attach to these five, five aggregates as a self, as me, because this is the thing that's in our experience. We actually attach to this thing. So when the, but the Buddha actually told us to, and instructed us to look at these different aspects and actually see, is there a self? Is, is there a me inside that? So is there an Ajahn Sadaro in the body? You know, I've gone through that before. And obviously, no, there's no, there's no Ajahn Sadaro that's here in this body. The feelings that I have, there's, there's, no, there's no self, there's no Ajahn Sadaro in that. Likewise, with the, with the Sanya, the Sankara, and the Vinyana, I, it, I, there's no me in there of those things. So where again you're not in control of the five aggregates. They're just they're causally dependent and they interact with each other and they build up this constructed process that you end up attaching to and identifying with. And this is the thing that brings about your sense of self. And so with the five aggregates at every new moment in time every point in time, your five aggregates are changing and they're different from the moment beforehand. So at every moment, your five aggregates are always changing. So I've gone through, say, for example, like the body and how that happens with thoughts, but you might think, well, you know, memory, you know, memory, sanya, sanya, these things that I remember and these things that I perceive, these, these, are, these have got to be something that's a bit more substantial, like, you know, memory, I pull this memory out of somewhere the memory of something I saw before and it comes up again. So, you know, that's how, well, how does that actually happen? And so with this, again, this is just something out of your control and it's not exactly what you think it is. You don't know how you remember things. We have this, we have this feeling that, you know, I, I experience something in the world and it's like I've taken some kind of video of it or something, and then I, you know, at another point in time, I play that video back again. And memory doesn't work like that. Memory is something that you're always reconstructing again. So say, for example, think of your childhood bedroom. 
just watch this process and see how you start to build different things. You might start out with the room and there's a vague, vague picture of what happens, but then you start to build greater things like your bed and the different toys that were there. And so you're actually, every time you remember something, you're reconstructing it. And so what does that actually have to do with the five khandas? Well, it's not like you have a memory at one point in time and you have this imprint of it and then you pull it back up again at another point in time. Because the five khandas are always changing, it's, it's, they're in this continual flow then, uh, continual flow. It's always changing, so the next time you need to recall something, it's not the same as when you actually experienced it. Anybody that has like a husband or a wife or, or people that they love around them they're, they're, and they get into arguments about things, it's like, you said this, it's like, I didn't say that, you said this, no, I didn't, I remember this. And you, every, you, everybody experiences memory in a different way. And that is, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but what it actually shows is the way that your khandas interact at one period in time is not the same as somebody else's does. So memory is not a solidified and specific thing. So say, for example, to give the example of this is how it actually works, is to say if you, if you, you have two points in time, time one, time two, and now at time one you have some sort of experience and your five khandas are, are uh, interacting in the world in one particular way and just say you're walking through a car park and you see a red car you see a red car and so you think you have this imprint and this memory at this point in time in memory of this point in time of the of the car the red car in the car park great so again five khandas always constantly changing and moving and 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 arising and passing away and interacting with each other in different ways so you've seen that at time one now at time two I ask you, did you see a red car? And you think, did I see a red car? Hang on, try to remember that. And so, again, you're not pulling up this memory from time one. Again, you're trying to, because this memory's gone. This memory's gone already. You're actually having to try to pull it up again at a different time. Trying to reconstruct it again so that it's not the same memory. It's not the same image that's in your mind. So even to this point of who we remember, who we are, this is again constructed. This is again a part of the five khandas that keeps uh, constantly changing. So it's all in this constant flux and all in this constant state. So again, okay, so all this is can be terrifying. It's scary. It's like who I think I am, I'm not that and I don't control anything and uh, this is you know, why even bother doing it? Why get out of bed? Why do anything? Why even actually meditate? Why, if I'm not in control of any of this, like, why should I even bother with anything in life? If I'm not in control, I can just go out and do whatever I want because, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, a meat puppet moving throughout the world and I can slap people and it doesn't matter. I have no control over that. And, you know, the obvious answer that I'm going to give you here is no, you can't act in <laughs> you can't act in that way you can't just not do anything but you have to realize who you think you are is a causally constructed process if you can see your that you who you think you are yourself is just this you know integrated hub of sensations and perceptions that you know that just, just sort of bind together for a brief moment in time and continually change if you can see that about yourself 
you can actually start to see others in the world as susceptible to that as well. You can see the different situations that are in the world as susceptible to that. Just as you didn't build yourself or choose who you are or control who exactly who you are, likewise with everything else in the world. So when you interact with others and somebody maybe does something that you don't like, you can see that this person, they didn't choose who they were. This person might say something mean to you. This person didn't really choose that. You have to act towards others like they have no control. You have to act towards situations but like they have no control and be have compassion and kindness for them at that time because they wrapped up in this process but towards yourself even though you don't have control you have to act like you have control you have to keep sort of in a way nudging yourself in the right kind of direction because the reality is most of the time we do feel like we have this so it's one thing to know it and to uh, one thing to know it and to realize it but we have to and know that we're out of control but we have to continually keep trying to act like we're in control in some way because even though it is this like random chaotic process that's continually happening it's like you do have an influence what the things that you do the things that you think the things that you say the things that you do this does you're an influencing factor on those things around you and also on your on your on yourself that it is an influencing factor so it's you actually have to act as if you can you can change this causal process and by just gently nudging these things and so you know how do you do that well you know you obviously you know how to do it you've been doing it your whole life already like <laughs> you've been doing it already so just continue to do it and you but you just continue to try to nudge yourself in the right direction but the way I like to explain this and I think about it is, is something that I, I really loved when I was a kid. I love those uh, like, like choose-your-own-adventure stories. Uh, I was really, really into them. So the, anyone that doesn't know, if you, maybe if you didn't grow up in the 80s and the 90s, you don't know what they are. Maybe they still have them, I don't know. But um, choose-your-own-adventure stories, it's, they're so cool. It's like you read like a page or two and you're on some kind of some kind of quest, some kind of adventure. You read a page or two, and then it got to the point where you had a choice. You had like A, B, and C, and you could make the choice of where you take the story to next. So say, for example, you're on some sort of quest or something, and you, you get up to a bridge, and there's some sort of monster under the bridge. And you get to the end of the page, and you, you can choose either, okay, I'm feeling, you know, you're feeling brave, so you try to cross the bridge try to cross the bridge, turn to page 15, you're, or B, you're a little bit worried, you're a little bit worried, you try to find a different way around, turn to page 17, or C, I'm worried, you become worried and scared, so you don't want to do this adventure anymore, you know, go to page 12 or whatever it is. So to make the story happen, you would turn to different pages and choose different, different pages to turn to, and the pages, all this happened at every point and every page you turn to actually gives you a different story at the end of it. Um, and so it was so cool. I really, really love those, those kinds of things. So in a way, although we, I've talked before, I was like, you don't choose the page that you want to turn to, but you know, in effect, you're still doing it. You're still 
choosing the page you're 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 still actually trying you're acting in some way in the world to choose the page that you turn to to make the story the way that you uh, uh, want it to be in that time. Now, obviously, there's 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 prior inclinations and uh, prior probabilities that you will choose a particular kind of things, and the way that you're feeling will interact and change how you choose that story. But this, again, this is where a practice like this is where something like your uh, awareness and mindfulness and meditation actually allows you to realize that you're you're not controlling the process, you're not choosing, but you can nudge it in the way that's more wholesome and good and positive, or you can nudge it in the way that's more negative and unwholesome and lead you in a worse direction. This is what we do with our thoughts and our actions and our speech, just like the just like the choose your own adventure story. If you to, to, to outline this of how this works with maybe your thoughts, just say you're involved in some sort of process and you have a thought right now of you're involved in this project and there's a problem. Now, the thought that's come up here is causally determined by numerous causes and effects and the prior probabilities that you will think this kind of thing at this point in time. But this thought that you have now, this has its own possibilities, different possibilities of the way it could go. Again, prior probabilities means you might think in one particular way, but if you become aware of this situation, you can see how these different possibilities that it might go off into, where that could lead you. If you think there's a problem with this project now, you might think, you know, possibility A, I don't want to do this, this sucks, I need to get out of this. That thought, the next thought you lead to also has more possibilities. Those possibilities have more possibilities and those links that you take will take you in a particular kind of way. The second option from this original thought that there's a problem is, okay, there's a problem, but let's find a way to fix that. Again, it has its own, that thought again has its own numerous possibilities, numerous branching stories out. Or you can think, okay, there's, there's a problem, it's fine, I can fix it. Again, more numerous possibilities. So you have to, if you can be aware of this causally dependent process of uh, in the present, you can sort of nudge yourself in a particular kind of way. Again, you don't control it, but you sort of nudge it in a particular way. And this is really how we, this is how our karma is determined, and this is how our karma is actually comes about. We're continually nudging ourselves in the right kind of way. It's this, it's this very, very complex web, but we just have to continue to try to course correct ourselves and put ourselves back on track and even though it is random and random and chaotic and it's totally out of our control you just keep trying to nudge it in the right way so that's probably you know enough at the moment i hopefully haven't scared you too much but just to conclude that there's so many of these big things that are outside in the world that we realize that when they're not we're not really in control of them but we have we feel impacted by them and there are things that are closest to us, closer, closer to us that we feel like we have some agency and some control over, but we realize we don't control those things, um, but we, have an in, we are an influencing factor on those things. But then when we move in closer to who we are as a person, we start to realize that we don't actually control who we are as a person. 
And the Buddha said that this is because we identify with the five aggregates and we attach to them, and but that these five aggregates are just a continually changing process. And if we can understand this continually changing process, we can see it as causes uh, that lead to effects, and the effects then become the cause. If we can actually see this, we can learn to detach from it, and we can learn to see other people and other situations in this, likewise, in this, in this similar manner. And we won't become. And if we can do this, we don't judge others harshly, but we can still interact in the world and we're still a part of it and so we just try to nudge ourselves in the right direction and if we can continually try to do this and continually try to nudge ourselves in the right direction then the story that is our lives with its multiple forking paths we can build this most the most promising story that we have the story that we really want the 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 story that that leads us to a more a higher goal or a higher purpose we can actually we can actually continue to nudge that in that way so with that with those those multiple forking paths uh of existence you know we'll now we'll now throw ourselves over to the randomness of of questions and and see what happens from here so thank you sadhu 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 thank you very much ajahn i'd like to read one of the comments here mm. and i think is uh, many of us feel uh, someone wrote Thank you very much for stepping in today and all your efforts to wipe some dust off our eyes. Always appreciate your wonderful teachings, Ajahn. Thank you very much. Very kind words. Thank you. Yes, so we have a couple of questions so far. I'm sure some more will come in, especially yep. with today's topic. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, first of all, um, a question from South Florida. Mm. Can you please, and this actually I think um, – Alyssa, who wrote the question, must have been tuning in in some way to the topic of your talk. Uh, she asks, can you please explain the differences in owner and heir in the fifth recollection of mindfulness and death? That is, I am owner and heir of my karma. Heir, like H-E-I-R. H -E -I -R. H yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, that was the question, yeah? That is it, yeah. yeah. So what's the difference between owner and heir of my karma? Well, they are similar. I, the, the, the line is, I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, um, for good or for ill, for that I will be the heir. So this, what this actually means is, is when, what I was, in a way, what I was talking about, even though, you know, this thing that you experience is not a, a self. What is being experienced in the present moment is causally dependent on all those different things that came before it, all those different factors that I went through, uh, uh, went through before. This, this, this organism that is experiencing this thing right now is heir to this karma that came before is it is the it is the this organism that is here now this collection of of the five aggregates it is the the owner of that karma it's it's the heir to that karma this all this stuff that came before it so my say for example my body when i was a, a child became you know interested in in 
playing playing drums and things like that. So now the the karma that I have now is every time I hear music, it's like, oh, that's the kind of beat it is, and I could I could play this and all these things. Um, uh, also, the the, the 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 what I can understand, what the things I can I can read a, if I read a book on astrophysics, it's like I don't get this it's like and that's the karma that i have because of the genetic makeup that i have the particular kind of intelligence that i have that has got me to this point um that where i can or cannot understand an astrophysics book um so this is how this this organism this set of five kundas in the present moment is the owner and the heir to that karma that that all those things that have come before it and again this it is a very very long and complex and intertwined process the whole history of 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 human civilization has got you to this point of who you are now it's and it's so interrelated and so interdependent that has got you to this point now that who you are at this point this five aggregates it's dependent on all that and so you're the owner of that I I can't I can't uh, I can't transpose my karma my you know for, as I said before my intel say for example my intelligence or my or my aptitude for drumming and rhythm I can't translate that onto you I can't give that to you I can't give you those things so you are not the owner or the heir of my karma so I can't give those things to you so and, but you have your own particular kind of karma that you've that has been built up that is a causally related process that you are just now find yourself in this point of so i can't give mine to you you can't give yours to me so that that is how we're we're the owners of our karma we are the heirs of our karma we abide abide supported by our karma and related to our karma hopefully that answers the question thank you ajahn um someone's got a follow-up question to a previous talk you gave okay yeah yes so um richard asks from the previous talk you gave i understood that to release boredom mm. one had to endure that unpleasant sensation mm. i find that it is the same recipe to overcome sensual desire and mm. rage mm. Mm. so does it also work for the other two hindrances of the mind which are doubt and remorse Mm. Enduring these unpleasant sensations while sitting alone, is, is this the recipe to overcome all the five hindrances? Mm. Yeah, like there's a um, o- over, overcoming anything that, that gives rise to this negative, uh, particular kind of negative state that we may have at any one moment. This is, yes, you have to do the same. It is, it is following the same process where you have to be willing to undergo those 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 negative like the, the doubts and things like that <clears throat> you have to be willing to actually experience this thing and to be able to let it go and just to ride it out now again though that doesn't mean it's just this totally passive this totally passive process where you're just okay I just I just ride this thing out and um, I don't do anything about it at all you have to be willing to face it and experience it and yes write it out and not react to it but 
also another that is one aspect of it one part of it so it's the same with boredom same with all these other things but there is the other aspect to it as well one has to one has to try to as i said before to nudge yourself in a particular kind of way if you're continually experiencing uh restlessness and doubt and worry you have to see that all oh, this is this is what's continually arising i have to be able to be to abide with it but try to nudge it in a particular way um we have to it's, there's a fine line between not not putting in effort doing things effortlessly and just being observant and being aware of it but then also to actually put in to to put in some kind of effort to to overcome these things you know so you are you are developing the same kind of skill as boredom uh, uh overcome it sorry you are developing the same kind of skill to overcome boredom as you are with the rest of the five hindrances but it's not the totality of it one has to put forth a little bit of effort effort as well but yes if you become doubtful and worried you know you have to again have to sit with that and you have to be able to experience the the negative emotions that come through doubt and worry and the and actually coming through doubt and worry is one of the things that that really really can actually bring up faith if you can face it properly Thank you, Ajahn. The next question is maybe related to that as well. Hmm. How should one react to feelings of rejection? Hmm. It depends what you're feeling rejected about. Um, it depends what you have sort of done in that in that situation that has led to your rejection again this is it can be very complex and and without without knowing the context of 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 the actual rejection uh just i'll give some sort of general general kind of uh, uh advice about that so with something like rejection this is this is a feeling that we experience this is a feeling that we experience um because somebody has reacted to us in a particular kind of way and we have this negative response because because this other individual in the world has has acted in a particular kind of way and now we're ex now we're experiencing that so sorry I lost my train of thought sorry uh so uh somebody's done something in the world we and we react in a particular kind of way and we feel this rejection to the way this person has acted now as i said in the talk you know you don't choose who you are you're just a bundle a bundle of sensations of perceptions that is this that the five aggregates and again this person as well uh, they're just this this bundle and they don't really have they didn't they didn't control who they are at at a, at a very fundamental level um they can't they they don't choose the person who they are and they don't choose the way that they respond and so for you dealing with rejection you can just see that that, that this person is just a this just this bundle and you can you can just realize this and forgive them for that try or try to forgive them for and try to overcome that feeling of rejection by just seeing them as this bundle but yourself you know, obviously you it's, it's easy to say it's very very hard to actually do <laughs> 
to actually do. So to overcome feelings of, of rejection, then likewise, we have to do that same kind of thing. We have to sink in and sort of realize that this is a negative emotion that is arising, that is causally dependent on many, many different cause and effects that has, we've come into being right now. We have to sort of sit here with it, with the, with this, this, this feeling of rejection and potentially nudge ourselves in the right way. Did we do anything? Did we do, do did our speech actions and thoughts, did that contribute to this person rejecting me? And if you, if you thought, act and spoke in the most wholesome manner, and this is just, this person has just, um, <clears throat> rejected you for some reason that's sort of beyond your control well this is you know again you can't control it so there's well while you might still feel bad you have to write it out and but there's not really anything you can do about it but if this person has rejected you because of something that you've 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 done you've actually done the thing something that you said or did then you have to again nudge yourself in the future to uh to speak and behave in a particular kind of way but again, really, this this is it's 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 easier to say this stuff and it's hard to do. So one really does actually have to just ride this out sometimes and uh, just in a way try to nudge yourself in the in the right direction. And hopefully, you know, that will you know, give you some sort of sense of sense of uh, psychological well being from that. Yeah, great, thank you, Ajahn. Uh, it's a bit of a slightly tricky question right. next. Yep. Uh, dear Ajahn, if memory is not an imprint of a certain point of time mm. and it's being reconstructed all the time, mm. how can past life memories being recalled and its truth being trusted? How can we trust those past life memories? Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. I have no idea. Um, likewise... Likewise, with your own memories from this life, um, that they can't really actually be trusted. Um, memories from past lives fall under that same rubric. Um, so, <clears throat> I don't, I, I don't know how you can trust these things. But again, this is a part. This is a part of the process that has happened, that has got you to this point. What happened in the past life and the memories of the past lives? Maybe these things are, these things are unsure. These things are impermanent as well. So, as you can't give your own memories in this current state of existence too much weight, likewise with memories from a past existence, you can't you can't give those too much. You, you don't you don't really know. So. I, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know um, about memories from a past life and how one should uh, uh, inter interact with those. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know. So, sorry. Was <laughs> well, a true, very tricky one. And moving on to the next question, um, Ajahn, it's a, half a comment and half a, a question. Yeah. Ajahn, perhaps people should embrace the idea that they have no control. Mm. of anything mm. in the world because it would be easy for them then to just let go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um and there's there's a, yeah, there's a definite element of truth to that. But one also has to be very careful with that as well is that um as the 
as who you are at this pre present moment is dependent on many, many different causes and conditions. We're all very, very different in that way. So there actually could be some people that they, if they realize that and they, they really try to understand that, then, then they become apathetic and very passive with everything and they don't, they just like give up on things in the world. So the individual has to really know, um, really know exactly who they are and how their personality works. And if knowing this is good and it gives you some kind of space from, from the <clears throat> different kinds of problems that would arise in the world, you know, then this is good. But if you are somebody that maybe worries a little bit more, you know, knowing this is, knowing this is enough, but then trying to sort of act in a particular way where you do, where you do sort of control things and you do, you, you know, get yourself out there to actually try to fix some different things. Uh, in one's own life, uh, in the people with the people around them, with the situation around them in society, you you still have to actually you know, still actually have to do those things. So it yeah it really it really depends. But ultimately, yes, you are right. If if people can actually realize this, then the amount of uh, the amount of freedom that you actually get from this is is it's phenomenal. But Everyone is a little bit different, so you can't just say that it's a blanket great thing for everybody. But I, I, in principle, yes, I totally agree. Thank you, uh, Ajahn. Next question. Is it better to ignore what we can't control or try to get control? That comes to what I, in a way, that comes to what I just said. It's... um. You don't, you don't want to fall into this, you know, ignoring what you can't control. You don't want to get to the point where you, it just becomes this like knee-jerk reaction to everything. It's like, can't control it, so I don't care. Can't control it, so I don't care. Can't control it, so I don't do anything. You, as I said, you are, you have a, you have a, you have a, you have a causal impact on the things around you. you. You moving throughout the world, you deciding to do something or you deciding not to do something, this has an impact. This has an impact on your own, on your own psychosocial makeup, but then also to the, to, the, to, the, to the situation that's around you. Whatever you do has some, you're, you're an impacting factor in that. You, you're a, you're a causal. You're a, you can be a causal link in this in this in the chain of what's happening. So, do you just ignore everything? No, no. You, whatever you do, you impact it in some kind of way. So that's why that's why knowing that these things are outside of your control, but then being aware of this process and realizing that you know the way. The way I nudge the five khandas in this way will make this situation better. Or the way I nudge the, my five khandas in this way might make this situation worse. And this could spread out not just to your own, your own life, your own thoughts, your beliefs, desires, values, but then also to what happens to your family. What happens to your family and the immediate people around you and the situation around you and the broader aspect of what happens in your society and the broader aspects that happens on a more sort of global level. So whatever you do or you do or you don't do, 
it impacts in some way. So one, while you don't control the whole process, you are a causal factor in it. So you being a causal factor in something, you have to, as I said, to push it in and try to push it in a more positive positive direction and don't just sort of go i don't control it so i uh, just throw my hands up and sit in a darker room it's that's not the that's not the right approach so hopefully that answered the question thank you rajan the same person wrote a a bit of a follow-up question that's related in a way just do we own anything no not really you know obviously that i'm the owner of my karma born of my karma hero of my karma so own is probably maybe you know maybe a, a strong word here but you you have a relation to things and you're you're related to it in some way but you don't ever actually own this thing and it's never like a solidified thing that you that will always be yours and is ever and unchanging it's not like that it's you're interacting with things at at any one particular point but you don't own this thing. You don't control this thing. You, but you're related to it and you interact with it. So do you own anything? It depends what you mean by own. If, if you mean I own, I own this cup, this is my cup, and you know, I, no, I don't own this thing. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, 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 a combination of, of, of material elements that have come together at this point in time that, are, that has sort of constructed itself in this, in this particular kind of form and manner and, and now it serves the purpose of being a cup and at some point in time it will sort of disintegrate and break away and, uh, and, you know, and, and me, I have, I have some sort of impact over that. I can put this cup down gently. I can put it down and save it for another day. Or I can throw it at the wall and smash it and it is not a cup anymore. And so I, either in, in either of those instances, I don't own this thing. I'm not the owner of it. I don't control how it is becoming a cup, but I have some sort of influence over it. I'm related I, I, I have a, a relationship to this cup in some way. So, no, I don't ever. You don't ever own things as such. If you think of it in that way of that, this thing is yours, and it will always be, never be unchanging. But you are related to things, and you impact things, and you interact with things. Hopefully, that answers the question. Um, thank you, Rajan. I'm just going to choose from the the questions here we're um, running out of time so just to build on that um someone's asked for clarification so you act like you have control knowing that you have no control yeah yeah because like you're doing it anyway like (laughs) so just just keep doing it and keep doing it in 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 hopefully in the more positive kind of way but yeah you you know 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 at a deeper level know at a deeper level that it's like that it is something that is beyond your control. And that gives you the, this sense of, as I said, this kind of like psychological freedom from it. But still continue to act. <laughs> yeah, act in the most uh, wholesome way that you can. <laughs> right. And uh, this, I think the last question we have time yep. for today then is, uh, how do I avoid apathy, mm. particularly with my kids? Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a hard one. I don't have kids, but I can see how you'd get 
very bored of them very quickly. <laughs> I, I can only sort of like, I, I, I like kids and I play with them for a few minutes and it's like, oh man, I'm bored of these things already. <laughs> so uh, on a more serious note, uh, again, you're, you, you are causally related to them. What you do impacts them in some way, just as the way your parents the way your parents raised you and everything that they did for you has made you into the person that you are now. Everything that your parents did to you in some way has impacted who you are right now. So likewise, now you have that causal relationship to this child. And so everything that you do will impact them in some way. It can either be for good or for bad. How it impacts them is is totally outside your control. But you have to be trying to trying to be an influencing factor in this kind of way in the most positive way that you actually that you actually can while you don't want to be apathetic and go well I can't control these kids I just I don't do anything to them I don't try to teach them it's like no 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 it's you you can't think about these things in this way you know again you're related you're, you're not just not just related in terms of familiar relationships, but you know you're causally related to these things. So your actions influence them in some way. So we have to keep continually trying to push push the dial in the right direction with the kids and sort of guide them in the right way. How they'll turn out, you don't know. You don't know. Um, um, will they will they behave themselves? Will they stop like jumping all over the furniture and all these kinds of things? You know, you, you don't you don't know. But you continue to keep trying, keep trying with them, and be, likewise, we're continually trying to improve ourselves. You're continually trying to work on yourself and trying to make your own life better and make yourself more happy and 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 trying to move yourself closer and closer towards uh, liberation or enlightenment. You're continually trying to improve in that way. You're continually nudging yourself in that way. You also have a responsibility to those that are around you to actually do that as well. So even though it can be tiring, it can be, uh, it can be tiring, it can be frustrating, it can be all, all, the, all the different uh, the things that come up with uh, parenthood, you know, being apathetic towards them is... is uh, you know, not not really the right course of action. So you just can just continue to keep trying, and you know, and and also have a break every now and again from. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ajahn. We've now reached just about ten thirty, so we'll make that the last question. Yep. Okay. Uh, apologies again for the technical difficulties at the start of the talk. I'm glad we we're able to fix that up. Um, I would like to say this. The talk today has generated a great deal of online discussion through the live chat, much more than, than I would say we'd normally nice. see, and interaction between people and, and answering each other's questions and, and mm -hmm. so on. So it's been nice. really quite a, an interactive session for a lot right, of the good, people good, online. Good. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of positive comments about how clear you've made the teaching. So um, sadhu, 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 and we'll finish. Thank you, Ajahn. Thank you. All the best for everyone. <laughs>